Hello and welcome back to another episode of Osafu Susume, or Recommendations for My Otaku Spouse. I'm Wesley. And I'm Jen. So let's get started. We're here today for round two of talking about Gundam Boogaloo. <laughs> what? Is that a thing? It is, yes. Okay. It's, never mind. Um, but no, after Gundam Thunderbolt went over much better than I thought it would, I made Jen watch Mobile Suit Gundam The Origin. Yes. Well, it was also the first time you'd seen it, too. It was, yes. I'd been meaning to watch it for quite some time, and I like watching things with you. Mm-hmm. So it seemed like a good opportunity to sit down and enjoy it. Yeah. Small disclaimer for anyone who is listening to the podcast who has either seen Gundam The Origin or wants to see Gundam The Origin, we watched the OVA version, so six episodes... I know the version that got shown on Toonami back when was the version that was recut and edited for TV. I don't know if that means that scenes were switched around or if scenes were cut or if scenes were added, but there is two versions of this, a six-episode OVA version where each episode is about an hour long and a 13-episode TV version where each episode is regular anime length. Oh, really? Yes. So they just took the the OVA and then Lice each episode into basically a couple of different bits. I'm assuming um, the fact that it's 13 episodes makes me think that some bits must have been cut here or there. Yeah. And I don't entirely know, so I'm just throwing that out as a disclaimer. Fair enough. So, you know, so is that only shown abroad, not in Japan? I have no idea. Hmm. I, I could see the OVA only being shown in Japan because nerds here would just... would spend a lot of money to get the Blu-rays for each single OVA. And they still do. Unfortunately, yeah. I'm assuming that they've never shown the TV version here, because whenever I see the Blu-rays in stores, it's always for the OVAs. And they came in really fancy packaging, and they look great, but they're expensive. Mm-hmm. Which is a shame. Well, I mean, every single anime DVD Blu-ray is really expensive in Japan, which is why it's really hard to see a series. Yeah, but for this one, there's six of them, mm -hmm. and they're all at full price. Ooh, well, like, about $100 each? I know there's a lot of special editions. You'll sometimes see them in the stores, these big cardboard-looking boxes with the logo stamped on the front for Gun and the Origin, and they look great and all that, but I don't exactly know the price. I just know that it's a bit rich for my blood. Fair enough. Which is a shame, because slight spoiler for the episode, I rather enjoyed this, and I wouldn't mind donating. <laughs> yeah, no, I really enjoyed it too. Like The animation was pretty. Yeah. Uh, also, brief background for everyone. There is a manga, Gundam The Origin, that kind of retells the story of Gundam with up-to-date art and going more in-depth here and there, which they couldn't do with the original series as a product of its time in the 70s and needing for TV serialization and money. But the OVA focuses entirely on the events of what I think were originally in Volume 9, which looks back at the history of Best Boy Char. And so this <laughs> is all, they, I think the subtitle for this one is like The Rise of the Red Comet which is also the uh, name of episode six of the OVA. And it's it's all about what made Char Char. And you see other characters, but it's mostly about Char. And I have no idea about Gundam, the original Gundam. And the, um, the only Gundam I've actually seen is Gundam Thunderbolt. Yeah, we watched Thunderbolt. I think at the time you said it could seem like an episode or two of Wing. But... Yeah, but I watched that when I was probably 15. And I don't remember any of it because it's been a little while <laughs> Well, the most important thing to remember about Gundam is that Universal Century Gundam is best Gundam. And as you're watching what I'm showing you, so therefore I'm curating, you're mostly going to see Universal Century Gundam. I don't understand what that means. Original Gundam, 
so like they kept talking about dates in this and they were talking about you know the show starts off in i don't know universal 74 something like that? 73 no i think it started off in like 68 um oh, okay. the war starts universal century 79 because you have to give time for char to grow up oh that's true but okay. so that so everything that takes place in kind of the main timeline is the universal century stuff and then as they did spinoffs like wing or seed or those types of things they made new timelines so they weren't beholden to the old canon oh so sort of those were alternate universe type yeah. things oh i hate it when series do that alternate universes where oh what if this had happened instead and it's like it, that's it's, just yeah it's not even a what if this had happened it's just we're going to tell a new story and we want to use gundams because gundam makes a bunch of money for bandai so indeed it does and with wing of course it was all about making five pretty boys to go off and encourage people to write slash fiction while at the same time encouraging boys to go buy more models. I mean, that is why I think I watched a few episodes was because a friend of mine was like, watch this. And it was a girl who was also into BL. Yeah. I just never got into it. I didn't like any of the characters. But then again, it has been uh, a long time. <laughs> so I will, I, I guess we could dip our toes into that, but... We don't need to. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I... I'm really biased about my Gundam. As I said already, I prefer the Universal Century stuff. Nerd. And I prefer prefer early Universal Century because there's kind of like, we've talked about it briefly off the record, where there's kind of two types of robots. You have real robots and giant robots, super robots. And they're used in very different stories. And I like both, but I prefer Gundam to be the real robot style. And as they get later and later, they get more super robot-y and the designs Mm. get over-decorated and stupid. And I just completely check out. Um, across super robots, or are they robots? Originally, they were real robots. <laughs> They're still mostly real robots. <laughs> they can turn into planes. Yeah. Which are real machines. Yes. So they're real robots. More or less, yes. Okay. I mean, you start getting pretty far-fetched with some of the singing stuff that goes on, but... Okay. See, I have more knowledge about Macross than I do about Gundam. <laughs> and so, actually, it was interesting because I have, as I said, literally no idea about the Gundam universe, apart from... Constantly being exposed by Wes and his friends saying Zigzion every, Zig every single time we go to a convention. And that's what I thought when I watched Thunderbolt. Like, oh, I empathize a lot more with the Zeon crew. They, I, I really, really like them. I was rooting for them through the entirety of Thunderbolt. And then we came to Origin. You make that sound like Origin changed your mind. It changed my mind. <laughs> for Zeon as a whole? To be honest, at the end of this, I just hate humans again, which is what I didn't, <laughs> which is why I hated, or I, I really disliked um, Devilman Crybaby. Dev, Devil, I keep trying to say Devilman Cry. Devilman Crybaby, because at the end of that, I felt I hate humans. Humanity's the worst. It can all just burn. And then at the end of this, it was like, oh, well, humans are, you know, the worst creatures ever. It, But it is an origin story that then leads into the whole gundam universe it is it's weird that gundam has become the commercial empire that it has because now you get shows like build fighters and things which are about kids making little gundam kits to go fight with each other and have tournaments when gundam at its core originally is very much an anti-war message yes yeah that's a good it's kind of it's it strikes me a lot of similarities to godzilla when you go watch the original 1950s godzilla or you go watch something like shin godzilla and then you compare it to what it became during what's called the Heisei period Godzilla, or the 
Godzilla versus series or any of that, where it's just men in rubber suits fighting each other for fun. That's what happened to Gundam. Mm. And so when you get a show like this that's driving back to the original point, much like Shin Godzilla did, it really, really stands out as being a departure because they've got something to say. And it's not just go buy cool toys. It's Although also, that's a perk. It, I mean, Bandai's not going to complain about that, definitely. <laughs> but at the same time, what I really enjoyed about this one is... It didn't just say, well, Zeon's a bad guy, so we have to make him all That's reprehensible. True. No. You know, you get people like Ron Barol, and you get to see a lot more into his backstory. Uh, he's the old man in the bar. Ah, uh, yeah. And, well, I like he him. starts as a young man in a bar and then becomes an old man in a bar. What happens to him in the end? I, if, we, if we get around to watching the original series. Oh, we'll find out. You'll find out. Okay. And if we do, we do it. we'll probably just watch the three movies because it's faster. And I don't know if I can get you to sit through however many episodes <laughs> no. are as the original, especially when it's old 1970s anime. Yeah. Yeah. But I might, I, read, I might read the manga, though. The manga's pretty. But I really like how they presented him in the show because they really gave him kind of to draw the to draw the historical parallel that they keep pushing for so blatantly. Zeon is Nazi Germany. What? I know. I couldn't I know. tell. But Actually, it's funny because even one of like the Supreme says, don't follow the same folly as Hitler or Napoleon. Yeah. Uh, Degwin says that to Giran. Yes. The old man says it to his son. Yes. <laughs> yes. And, but So when you get Ron Baral, you get someone who's very much the Erwin Rommel character. And that he's, I'm explaining. I know. I, I, I just don't know who that is. Wrong. <laughs> I don't do history. It's fine. No, that's why I'm explaining it. But you get a guy who is very much not on board with what Giran's doing, but he's still a patriot to the ideals of Zeon. He believed in what uh, Zeon Daikun said. He believed in the promise of the space noids. He believes in the fact that they should have rights that the earth noids aren't giving to them. And he believes that's worth fighting for, but Giran's crazy. And so he's a man who's torn between ideals. Mm. And that, and they did a good job, I think, in showing that. He wants to do what's right, but he just can't bring himself to do what Giran and the rest of the, the Zabi family are asking him to do. And so when you get a bunch of little like picturesque moments like that through this where they can explore these characters that you don't get in the original series because the original series is falling around the Fetties the whole time. Mm-hmm. So you get like little bits of Zeon stuff here and there, but this focuses so much more on it. That's true. I mean, at the start of this series, I did, again, empathize more with the Zeons. Like, I could understand where they were coming from. And I think I was rooting for Shah, even though he was clearly a sociopath. <laughs> and then Operation British happened, and I think that was completely unforgivable. And in my books, that just made the Zabbies completely, and the Zeons, just completely in the wrong. Which I guess is where... Because, because when you do something... So horrendous, it gets to the point where it is unforgivable and humans, as they pointed out in the show, will retaliate and they will fight each other because they think the other is so the other is in the wrong when they're in the right. And so you you basically create the situation where war is never gonna end, even though the intention of Operation British was to stop the war. To some extent. I mean they keep showing that Giran's willing to do anything to consolidate power. Yeah. And so he was interested in stopping the war if it meant his total control, not stopping the war if it meant ceasefire or peace treaty. Yeah. Because Giran's insane. Actually, they all seem pretty much insane towards the end of it, all the Zabbies. <sighs> to some extent, I... 
I was surprised at how normal they made um, Degwin Zabi, the old man, seem. Mm. And that he's really, really pushing for a ceasefire and armistice. And they kind of give him a, f- a bad final scene, I think, because he went to talk to the enemy and arrange, you know, okay, here's what we need to do to stop all this. And he, the enemy was like, well, I can't do anything. And so he's like, okay, well, we'll figure out how to make it work. And he does it. He gets um, Commander Revel. Sorry, there's gonna be spoilers in this. He, he gets <laughs> he gets Revel out of the POW camp and back so that he can help push from both sides for peace. And Revel immediately stabs him in the back. And he's angry and frustrated and feels betrayed. And so the final scene you see him is in that state of mind. But up until that point, you know, they, they don't like explicitly say he's the one who killed Zeon Daikun at the but beginning. You kind of suspect. You suspect, but at the same time, it could have easily been Giran the whole time. Giran is a disgusting snake in the grass. And he definitely, Degwin used the events to take control. He's not a nice guy, but I don't think he's as rotten. He's not a bad guy. He's just a bad guy. Yeah, I don't think he's... I think really a lot of it traces back to Giran and to some extent Kaecilia. They're the two that I think are the worst. Mm. <laughs> I I liked Kaecilia until she decided to go hunt down turtles with that shredder outfit. Um, <laughs> what is with that? <laughs> so because it's a prequel, it's stuck in some ways. And that we know how it has to end because that's where Gundam starts. And so Kaecilia wore that in Gundam. Ah, so she needed to wear it. So she has to wear it in here. It would just seemed fair enough. Yeah. (laughs) And there was other things like that. Um, So the OVAs originally came out as the first four, and then they released a bonus two, which was the whole Loom Affair, which was essentially five and six. But there wasn't that much of a pause between them. Mm, No, it didn't feel like four and two. It felt like all six were planned. Yeah. Except for the huge 20-minute-long recap at the beginning of episode 5. Oh, yeah. There there was that. There was that. But we skipped that, so that was fine. And so there were definitely times, though, like I felt at the end of episode 4, there was a bunch of, we're going to throw in a bunch of plot points really quick that set up what Mm -hmm. Gundam will be, even though they don't really fit into the story we've been telling. That's true. I mean, I thought it had really, really great pacing until that point with the Indian girl. Yeah, there's a whole bit with um, Lala and Char, and then they have, like, they just cut over to Amaro and have to show some of his backstory really quick on side seven. Yeah, besides that, the pacing was absolutely fantastic. Yeah, so episode four, I think, was the most disjointed. And I think part of that is because they thought it was the end. And they're like, well, we got to make sure we put in all this original Gundam stuff into Gundam the Origin, which I thought was a shame. Mm. The other thing that stuck out to me is really weird was they kind of do the same thing at the end of episode six, where they have these almost freeze frames on certain characters on side seven to be like, this is who they're going to be in Gundam. And I'm going, you've drawn them practically the exact same and you've said all their names. Yeah, but for someone like me, I was like, oh, I guess this person's important. But could you figure that out just from the fact that they kept lingering on them? Yeah, you could tell by the draw- by the art style. And also... If you like Gundam The Origin enough to go watch the original series, you're going to immediately see the same characters again. So I don't, it felt really out of place mm. to me to do it. Just in a sense that if you don't care enough and you're not going to go watch the original, you don't care who these characters are. And if you do care enough, you're going to go watch the original. You're going to see them again and it doesn't matter. So why are you telling me already who they are? In case you forgot? I don't know. There must have been a reasoning behind it, but I have no idea what it is. I suppose. But speaking of pacing, um, you were saying each episode was probably about an hour long. I think the last one was longer, but I'm not too sure. 
I was going to say, it, none of them felt like they were too long. Yeah. Except for the last one. <laughs> but apart from that, like they, I just breezed through them because they were so engaging, which is a bit of a surprise. Yes. I think the last one, again, suffered a little bit from the, well, we got to make sure where our Gundam starts. And so there was little bits in there that weren't... If the story is about Shar, why are you showing me a bunch of stuff that doesn't affect Shar? So, you know, it's kind of pick your theme and then tell me that story. And if you have to skip some stuff that's fan service to do it, personally, I'm okay with that. I prefer you tell a nice, concise story before you just go shoving in extra stuff that doesn't need to be there story-wise. But I feel like it worked in the last episode a lot better than they did in episode four. Agreed. And I think that's because they managed to tie it together to the story that was being told at that point, which was shifting from the rise of Shar to the start of the One Year War. Mm. But that's not the story they were telling. <laughs> but no, I, I did like how the pacing was done, and I felt that they did a good job at how they did kind of their time jumps between episodes. Mm. It never felt like there was a huge gap that needed to be explained. Like, what is it? Episode one ends with them going to Earth. Episode two starts with them having been on Earth for a couple of years. Yeah. They're older, yeah, but that happens as time passes. It's a natural way to show time passing. And it's not like they're back in space or they're somewhere mm. weird. It says, yep, they landed on Earth. They got put in with these guys. This old man, Rawl's still around. And now helped, the story continues. Yeah, it helped that they put the years on as well. Yes. As well as had the little recaps. Yeah. Another th thing I th was I thought was absolutely fascinating was the fact that they seem to have real military tactics and kind of real weaponry, at least realistic-ish weaponry, as well as the futuristic sci-fi weapons and spaceships and the big space battles. Like, I think in Thunderbolt, they had the tiny battles between mobile suits yes and it was very fast paced and very flashy whereas this felt like it was a real war a real battle just in space yeah thunderbolt you don't get like force on force it's more a skirmish really and this you had fleet battles as well as like the training in the military camp i thought that was really cool how they had used what i'm, I'm assuming were real training tactics and real sort of uh battle tactics well, it, yeah, and it also it made sense as well. Like when we were watching the episode where they have the like graduation battle mm -hmm. against the station Fetty forces, and you're kind of like, well, what's the point of that? I'm like, well, it's intimidation. It's to show Zeon you're in a fight you can't win, so don't stand up against the Federation. And it and, blew up in their faces. Well, yeah, but then it Literally. also that that's that's what I thought watching it because that's what I'd do. Mm. and then that turns out to be what it was for you know things made sense in universe militaristically and otherwise which i really liked i can see why it's got such a huge following especially in japan because japanese nerds i mean yourself included really love history and the whole and a lot of history is war and tactics and that kind of stuff yeah even, even though it's an anti-war message yes and also it was it's fun in a way that they kind of preempted some of the criticisms that I think they might get. Because I remember when we were watching the big naval battle at the end, you were going, well, you know, how do they keep firing all their guns and everything? And I, was, and I was able to say, oh, well, they carry the extra ammunition here and here and here, and they keep reloading. And then they talked about it in the episode mm. where the guy comes up to Shar and he's like, oh, hey, you're doing more than I ever could. You need more ammo for your rocket launcher. So they actually bring it up and talk about it in a way that's not just... I've got a gun that fires 30 <laughs> bullets like we just saw in Westworld. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, that's a little ridiculous. I can see why, though. Um, as I said, like nerds in Japan really love their military, and I imagine. I mean, humans being humans, if there's something you love, you're going to be super critical of it. So if you're making something that a lot of people really love with a passion, you better get it right. Yeah. I bet even I, even though they probably got it right, I bet they'd still get ripped apart for really asinine things by certain people. Oh, no doubt. That happens with any show, especially something yeah. that's had decades and decades of history. I mean, Star Wars, Star Trek, any of those. Yeah, but like you said, at least they did. At least they made it logical Yes, in the universe. That's actually something that really hit me when we were watching this last episode with all the fleet battles, is that I really like the fact that in Gundam, there's no faster than light travel. Mm, because everything it, moves super slow. Everything moves super slow. And it allows you to have a fleet battle like that. Like One of the things that annoyed me in the recent Star Wars movies is that they tried to have fleet battles, but as soon as you have faster than light travel... It doesn't make sense. Mm. You'd never have a space engagement like that because if you're outnumbered, you're going to blip away. And so you'd never be in a situation like that. Mm -hmm. But in this, it it all makes sense and it works out and you get people, you know, putting up rear guards to protect their withdrawals and all these different things. And yeah, they're in space, but it also made me want to go play with toy ships. <laughs> you play with little tiny toy ships on a table recreating battles? I mean, they, they call it out. They have one of the characters looking at a painting of Napoleon. Yes, while <laughs> literally at the same standing time, behind him. While at the same time, they're pretty much reenacting the Battle of Trafalgar in space. You know Nelson's Column? Yes, you know in Trafalgar Square. <laughs> yeah, you know the guy standing on top of Nelson's Column? Bernie? Nelson. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a guy named Nelson, and he was in a place called Trafalgar outside the National Museum of History. Wait. Never. We'll continue. <laughs> <laughs> I'm half joking. Half. So we mentioned briefly Gundam Wing. Yes. And all, and, I know what you're going to say. <laughs> and all the shipping that goes with it. Speaking of, of spaceships. Yeah, you seem, you seem to enjoy a different type of ship with this show. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, so I enjoyed it and I didn't enjoy it. Because, okay, so... Gama is an annoying little shit. He's such a little brat. But Shah is such a slimy... He's he's the kind of person that I think Stacy would get a crush on. <laughs> but the two of them together, I can... I like. There was a lot of tension between the, those two characters. Poor Stacy. She'd have a crush on Shah, but she married Degwin. <laughs> oh! <laughs> no, sorry, you were saying... Tension, um, tension between characters. Tension. Rivalry. Sexual tension. Se no, no, they, they were just rivals. School rivals. Uh, yeah. Who, Gama wanted to prove himself, and Shah was always a little bit better. And that's why Gama wanted totally to be Shah's roommate, made it happen, and then it gets to the point where Gama is just a pile of butter every single time Shah turns up on screen, and he's just like, he just manipulates him so easily because he's such... And Uke. <laughs> Who, Garma? Yes. Uh. <laughs> okay, so... He's the pride of Zeon. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and Shara's revenge is against the Zabbies, so what better way to do it than through their youngest... Literally through. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, but it was pretty funny, because 
you just like have this almost exasperated sigh slash squeal every time the two of them are on screen together. <laughs> uh, the thing is, I don't like either of them, but their relationship is very easy to see. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I don't ship them. They ship themselves, Wes. Do they? Yes. That's oh, okay. how this works. Oh, okay. Was there any shippable couples in this? I just said, Shire and Gama. <laughs> well, you said they ship themselves. They didn't need shipping. They yes. already came prepackaged in a box. Exactly. Apart from that, no, not really. Speaking of relationships, uh, the one with um, uh, Dozel. Dozel and the... Zena. Yes. The newly graduated high school? University student? It's a military school, so I'm going to assume that... 18, I mean, 20, maybe... 21. But he just like, I want you to have my babies. And she's like, oh my goodness. It's like, no woman would react that way if... Somebody twice your age turns around and says, "Has my have my babies," and then later he's like, "Have all my babies," and she's like, "Oh, <laughs> <laughs> like, what the hell is wrong with you? You were a graduate of a military school and you swoon over what?" And I just, I I know it was it's probably because it was in Gundam, so it had to be in Gundam origin, but it was still just really stupid. Unfortunately, there's a lot more historical basis behind that than you'd think. Because he's not just Dozel, he's Dozel Zabi. And there's a lot of power that comes with a name, uh, so especially she... in a society like that. So it was also sort of a way for her to move up the ranks of society while also giving up her military career. Somewhat, yeah, but it's also not just moving up the ranks of society, it's the prestige and honor that someone like that would notice you. And I know you don't think it sounds nice, but Peace it's to the happened. Rhone, I guess. But it's happened. <laughs> but no, yeah, she and their daughter specifically comes back to play a large role in Zeta Gundam, I believe. Really? It is. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Does she end up getting more brothers and sisters like he wants to do? <laughs> I don't think so. I don't know. By the time we got to Zeta Gundam, we're starting to get away from the Gundams that I watched because it starts to get a bit out there. Fair enough. Out in space. <laughs> It's weird, like some of the designs I'm fine with, like, I don't know, the Cubay's fine. Cubay? Cubley. Cube, I was going to say, Cu Cubay is the yeah. <laughs> tiny fox creature from Madoka. Yeah, no, I was like, that's not right, it's, but it's a similar name. Make a spice battle with me. Yeah. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> <laughs> now uh, I'm Amador, transform! <laughs> one of the things that I noticed and made sense to me, but I thought was a little sad, was they made the mobile suits look angrier. <laughs> did they i honestly okay you keep showing me pictures of mobile suits and going oh my goodness look at this one it's really cute and i'm sorry words they all look exactly the same that's mobile suitist jen they look the same you're discriminating against mobile suits i couldn't even tell that they looked angrier number one there's a big difference between fetty designs and xeon designs well like hopefully you can at least see the design language difference between them. Too. yes yes is that the the xeon ones are rounder yeah and green and cuter uh yes yes they were round and green and cuter and the fetties were pointy and white and clean and fancy yes also they're red sometimes and blue yes yes and they're not as cute <laughs> i can't tell <laughs> okay no but yeah they um as we keep saying bandai have released a new line of kits entirely for the origin are you gonna buy them all i have one of them do you Wait, which one? The Zaku I have is... Which Zaku? You have more than one! The standard Zaku 2 that I have is the origin version. Okay. 
<laughs> I also have a Zaku 2 Thunderbolt version, a Zaku 1 Thunderbolt version, but we're getting off the subject. What I'm trying to say is that, yeah, but if you look at it, if you if I were to show you a picture of two Zaku 2s, one from the original anime and one from Origin, the Zaku 2 from Origin looks meaner. Okay. They've done a lot of things to like make the face narrower and more pointed and less expressive and things like that to make it... It's a robot. They don't have any expression. <laughs> Robots can be very expressive, Jen. Like looking angry. How can I show you all these robot anime and you still don't understand the cuteness of robots? You mean all two of them? I We also went to see uh, Majin Kaiser, or Majin Gear Z. Yes. Crickets, crickets, crickets. There's a giant robot in Recreators and we're watching that right now. Yeah, but that's good. <laughs> <laughs> You're the worst. <laughs> this was really good. Robots are cute. Robots are cute. Okay. Okay, no, Hado was cute. Hado was cute. Actually, I really liked how they did Hado in this. I'll give you that. Hado was cute. <laughs> so. But I do have to say, sorry. Go ahead. Hado was cute. Yes. Mamoru was not. No, wait. What's his name? Amoro. Amoro. Mamoru was, was the other guy. He's a little brat. <laughs> He's a little brat. I just love. Very different from the Garma brat, but still a brat. Yes. And I, I couldn't help but laugh because the first time they show him, I was like, wait protagonist of Gundam is chubby and has ginger hair it's just it's just very different from the kind of protagonist you see in modern anime yeah well 1970s um, and he starts off Gundam somewhat in that way too it's very childish and bratty and... yeah and he, he grows up during it okay that's, that's, that's part of Gundam is him growing as well he doesn't he's not a modern shonen hero which would just stay like that for like 30 volumes <laughs> Thank and then God. they would end it and start one about his kid which would just be a clone of him uh, so no. at least it's not that right yeah so you were talking about how operation british specifically changed your mind about Zeon. yes would you say that would affect how you felt about the Zeon forces that we saw in thunderbolt Ooh, ooh, good question because what think... we saw in thunderbolt was post operation british correct but I think the uh, Thunderbolt followed specific soldiers, yes, who had no part in Operation British. So I still think I'd empathize with them in the same way that I do now, because they are clearly fighting for what they believe is right. But I still don't think the Zeon force as a whole should win, okay, because of what they did, or at least I mean, as they, I mean, they even said if things go tits up and we get arrested, we'll be executed for war crimes. And they even acknowledge it, like the the high ups in Origin, that that will happen. Yeah, that's why Raw leaves. He says, I want no part of this. You've gone far beyond mm -hmm. the boundary of good taste, and this isn't war anymore. Because as odd as it is, there's rules in war to make sure it's fair. Yeah, which we were talking about as well, completely unrelated the other yeah. day. But then that's the thing I'm saying, is that I think that is so unforgivable... But then again, it's hard. How can you find peace in a universe where that has happened? Because whoever wins, there's going to basically be essentially racism against the other side. So, oh, I think um, in Leviathan Wakes, which is a sci-fi novel that you had me read. Yeah. That where um, you have the people who grew up in the outskirts of space and they are physically different because of how human bodies grow in space versus people who grew up on a planet. And so there's a lot of racism between these like two groups of people, even though everyone's human. And so I think that in Gundam Origin, you're going to have that, or not Origin, but just in the Gundam universe, down the line, even if the war ends, it's still never really going to end because you're going to always have that baggage. Yeah. 
between Earth noids and space noids. Yeah, unless they brought everybody back to Earth, because now... There's room. <laughs> there's room, <laughs> because of Operation British. Um, and they just get rid of space noids altogether. But then I imagine even if you did that, you'd still have a lot of... I, I find it fascinating on an anthrop- a theoret- hypothetical anthropological viewpoint of how would humanity work under that situation, which is why it makes me sad, which is why I don't like it. But I do like it, but I don't. But here's the question, because if you brought him back to Earth because now there's room, then there wouldn't be room in a few generations' time, and you'd be back to where you started. And then putting people back up in space. And what if the space noids want to stay in space? Yeah. I guess the problem is is that... Because on some level, it's almost kind of like the current Brexit situation, where the space noids didn't want Earth, they wanted freedom from what they saw as a tyranny of Earth correct or otherwise Hmm. and so maybe they don't want to go back to earth but the thing is is that with space noids if they become completely independent they're still reliant on earth for certain things which is why they were never able to go fully independent to begin with is because they need trade with earth and this is kind of and so they've escalated things to the point where they have to take over earth in order to survive and also because the people in charge are power hungry yeah that too i mean i think that's definitely a huge part of it is I guess that's Garrett's insane. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess that is a good thing about the series is as you said, it, it was it slowly introduced the situation from the Xeon side, so you get a much more nuanced approach to events. Because I mean, war is never black and white. It's always grey and fuzzy and messy and horrible. And so it, it, it shows you that this is not as simple as you might think and things are incredibly complicated. I think also by showing it from the Xeon side, you get that earlier viewpoint because if you show it from the federation side from, from their perspective the zeons just did something yeah from their evil. perspective eon or zeon just invaded another side uh killed a bunch of people and then chucked a colony at earth and killed a bunch more people you know most people in the federation or in on earth most of the earth noise or whatever probably had no idea as to what was going mm. on in Xeon. You know, it's like nowadays where, you know, you know the big hot spots around the globe, but there's probably small problems in a lot of countries that people just don't even know about until they become a hot spot. And so then you're just like, oh man, what happened there? Well, that's what most of Earth's going to be thinking right up until the point that the colony lands on them. Mm. Or even afterwards, like, why? Yeah. There was literally no provocation Supposedly. to do that. Yeah. From their, pers- like, from the Fetty's perspective. Yeah. And I think I, I got that a lot is that people are scared because you're so easy. I, I got the impression that the colonies were basically airplanes in space that people live on. Yes. And so if you're scared of flying anyway, imagine that being your entire life. Like you don't think about it until you think about it. And you're like, oh, the tube I'm living in is very not, uh, it's safe. Until something goes wrong. Until something goes wrong, yeah. At which point it goes really, really wrong. Yes. And then you have literally nowhere to run. I mean, they showed... Um, and that's scary. One of the events that started setting everything off was just essentially a mistake that grew out of hand at a docking port where a ship missed the docking oh, yeah. port, ran into another part of it, and caused an entire like agricultural colony to go up in flames. Yeah, just, that was one of the things that, was that one sparked of the, it. Yeah, that was one of the matches on the powder keg was just a, there goes our food supply a simple mistake and at least you hope it was a simple mistake well i mean you had the people coming in who were acting all uppity and going like well the, we're the federation get out of our way yeah. we have rights and i was like no the other ship's already on the way out we can't pull them back now he's like nope 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 ah! yeah 
So, you know, on, in Xeon's favor, that clearly looks like a Federation mistake because of them treating the space noise as second-class citizens, but it also shows just how fragile space noise life can be, mm-hmm. which is a problem. Which, again, I think is great at showing the nuanced reasonings behind things. I guess also because it showed a slow, as you said, uh, started in 68-ish, and then the war actually kicked off over a decade later. Yeah. So it's sort of like things were boiling up for over 10 years before they finally head off. Well, they also, I think they say, I mentioned that what, um, Zeon Daikun, Shara's father, was a second generation space noid. Mm. So Shara would be a third generation space noid. It might be third and fourth, I don't remember. But so that means it's been, what, 30 to 40 years in space in the colonies at this point? I get the impression that when, because this is a new a new it, calendar for the human race. Yeah. So what counts as, what was the event that caused year zero or year one? I have no idea. So that would also be interesting. I'd have to look it up. I'm going to, I, I, I assume if I were it to make was, a guess, it'd be the foundation of the United Earth, whatever. Yeah. I was also assuming colonies. Could be. But that would, that would be more, I guess, third, fourth generation as opposed to second, third. But so it's, if he's, you know, second or third generation space noid and he's already to, declare independence and talking about what's going on you know this isn't this isn't a new issue and they do a good job at showing it grow as opposed to mm. just oh everything's happening now because we got a story to tell or the, this person's evil because they're evil yeah it's like no they grew to be evil for a reason well I mean, Garen, Garen was an asshole the whole way through yeah well he's an asshole but then he grows into being evil because he has the power to help fuel his assholeness yes and then Shar is just a sociopath who just really loves flying around in his big red suit oh here i go killing again <laughs> yep <laughs> uh. there was one thing though is i thought people were very over dramatic like the japanese people's interpretation of what how foreigners react like throwing their arms around and throwing their whole bodies around and shock and oh my goodness and i think that's one of the things that i found really ridiculous is you have high-ranking officers of a ship who are basically peeing themselves because things aren't quite going the way they expected. And it was just, it just felt really out of character for how somebody in that situation probably should act. It is, but I think there's also a measure of cynicism there and that not everyone gets their ranks because they deserve them. Yeah, I could see that. And also, it also goes back to what we were saying in that space is dangerous and they haven't seen a war in a long time. That's Most also of these true. people probably weren't expecting to get in the battle. You sign up because it's a good family move, go through the ranks, get out with a pension, everything's great, you're never had to do any work, and now all of a sudden, you're commanding hundreds of lives on a tube in space with lasers coming at you. Lasers. So, I think it's overplayed somewhat because it's an anime and you can get some laughs out of it, but at the same time... But some you, of the scenes were supposed to be really serious. That's true. <laughs> but, it, I mean, you do hear a, a lot of historical tales about commanders bottling, so... Bottling? Um, freaking out, just uh, unable to handle it. Makes sense. Yeah, the series was really good, even as somebody who's never seen Gundam before. And I want to go read the manga now because I want to find out what happens. Yes! <laughs> but I still don't like the human race. <laughs> <laughs> the fictional human race of Gundam. But as you said, it's very anti-war, and I feel like a lot of it was drawn from real humanity, which is why it kind of makes me depressed. <laughs> That's why it's so to... good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can see why self-deprecating nerds really like it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's got cute robots. Okay. Everything needs cute robots. Okay. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed your second Gundam. 
Yay! Technically second gunner. Well, technically third, but we don't count the first, so technically yeah, second. I'm watching an episode two of Wing doesn't count. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I really don't remember how much of Wing I watched. It's fine. It doesn't count. It doesn't count. I forgot it. Doesn't even matter. It's a race from my memory banks. Good. <laughs> well, we do have some of the manga. I know you've got piles and piles of books to read. Yes. But I think you'll enjoy it. Thanks. Okay. I will I'll give it a try and maybe we'll do another episode about the manga and how that is. Maybe. I mean, that'd be three Gundam episodes at that point. And we have so much more else to talk about. We do. I mean, I could always do it in a year time if That's we're still true. doing this in a year. Well, not. we do hope to see you guys in a year with whatever we're doing at the time. Thanks for listening to another episode of Otofususume, or Recommendations from My Otaku Spouse. You can find us at Twitter, at Annie Bruce Creative, or at the website, www.anniebracecreative.com. All of our past episodes are there. All of our future episodes will be there. And if you have anything or any comments or you want to tell us that we're wrong in any way, we won't listen to you, but you can definitely write them down there. <laughs> no, no, we do look forward to comments. So. And if you know somebody who you think might enjoy this episode, feel free to share it with them, because that'd be cool. Yay! Thanks! Bye! Bye!